Hello and welcome to Breadcrumbs. This is your host, Ashley, aka Ash Kitten. Today, we are going to be delving into the subject of narcissism. And this is going to definitely be split up into parts because there's so much content to go into about narcissism and being with a narcissist. Um, I, unfortunately, was with a narcissist slash sociopath. Uh, I will get into later on with the differences and if a person can be both, which the person that I was with was both, so it's definitely possible. Um, and um, also there's a lot of things that aren't really told and are not common knowledge, at least that I've found, and that when I was wondering if the person that I was with was a narcissist, uh, why the information on the internet and around me didn't really suffice enough to convince me that he was one and what he did to combat anything that I brought to him as like, hey, I think that you might be a narcissist. So let's talk about what a narcissist is. A narcissist is, well, let's talk about where it comes from. There's a Greek mythology about Narcissus. And that is a, a Greek fellow that was, uh, he was, he was very, the God, he made the gods very upset because he was absolutely incredibly, um, blessed with beauty. And as a man, he was like, absolutely like just the perfect being. Right. And so he was also in love with himself and he didn't think about anyone else around him. He only thought about himself and how beautiful he was. And he thought no one could ever be good enough to be with him because he was so good looking. And so, and he would get some kind of pleasure out of people um, committing suicide for him and killing themselves for him. And and I think that's the the really where it comes from, not just the beauty, where the word narcissist comes from is that the pleasure from other people bending over backwards and um killing themselves to be with this person and yet it's still not good enough more people had to die and how did narcissus die narcissus died by laying by a pool of his own so he could see his own reflection and didn't eat didn't sleep just stared at himself longingly because he could never be with himself and he thought he was the perfect being to be with. So that's how he died, is staring at himself. Um, very true to, like, in a parallel to how a narcissist really is. They are so in love with themselves and they think themselves to be godlike. Um, and that they have they have separated themselves mentally from everyone around them that no one will ever be good enough and the only one that will ever be good enough for them is themselves now there's a lot of reasons for narcissism um in theories and in psychology there's a lot of um i guess theories because we don't know 100% what creates a narcissist but we do know that narcissists tend to have a lot of things in common with their childhoods um a lot of them have had one or the other one being um like a parent that 
is very distant, not loving, very cold. And so they didn't ever feel the, uh, that empathy and that love and that, uh, they never developed that part of the emotion. So then they also had to look out for themselves and be number one to themselves. Uh, so trusting anyone else around them at a young age was something that they didn't do. And as time went on, they only had to rely on themselves. Therefore, they fell in love with themselves and um, never developed a connection with anyone else around them uh, deep enough to uh, puncture that, that self-conceitedness, I guess. So... Um, another one is the child who gets everything that they want and gets served like a king and gets treated like a king and basically, or queen, and told that they are that, um, amazing and wonderful. And yes, you definitely should tell your kids that they're amazing and wonderful. However, there's a fine line between serving a child and loving a child. And, um, so... Just that's another way that a narcissist can be created on this earth, um, in theory. And some people believe that your heart is like you're born with your heart and however your heart is, if it's good or bad or anywhere in between, that's how it's going to be regardless of your life situations or regardless of what life deals you. Um, I'm more leaning toward that because I've been dealt some pretty rough cards, pretty uh, distant parents, and yet I am not a narcissist. I'm the opposite. I'm an empath. So I don't understand how the things that have been done to me have been done, yet I don't have the same reactions as someone who the same things that has been done to them, but they've reacted coldly and cold-heartedly. Um, anyway, so that's pretty much like kind of a background on narcissism but let's get into relationships with a narcissist like I said I was with one for 15 years so I think I might be an expert on that because like if you have to go to doctorate school for like 10 years I've you know what I mean like I pretty much have every single day lived with a narcissist for 15 years. I know probably everything there is to know about a narcissist. Um, even while I was with my ex, the narcissist, I'm just going to call him the narcissist. He was also a sociopath, but for this, we're going to call him the narcissist. While I was with the narcissist, um, I realized that he was a narcissist later on and started studying narcissism. Um, it took a lot to convince me that he was one because he combated that uh, very strongly and he didn't like the word or the term narcissist. And he would, he would even gaslight me, which we'll talk about what that is later and say that I was a narcissist. And, um, so let's talk about, uh, relationships with narcissists. When you first get with a narcissist, they're not who they seem. And what they do is what we like to call love bombing. They will make you feel like you are on top of the world. I mean, stuff like, oh my God, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I can't believe that 
I met someone as wonderful as you. You're so smart. You're so positive. You're so giving. You're so loving. You have such a big heart. I'm so in love with you. Everything about you is amazing. It sounds amazing, right? Like you get told that stuff and you're like, whoa, this is amazing. You feel amazing because they know what to say and they know your insecurities. It's almost like they have this little radio frequency into your brain and they can know what you're feeling and how to manipulate those feelings, which is crazy because as an empath, I get those feelings from people. I have that radio frequency into people's feelings, yet I don't have the need or want to manipulate people and for my own benefit. I have the need or want to make them happy. So I say or do things that will um, not manipulate, but I will try to make them happy. So if I can tell someone's sad, I try to cheer them up. And sometimes I can tell with their feeling without them expressing it outwardly. It's almost like a little, you know, like little, a little sixth sense, if you will, into someone else's brain or into their emotions. Um, I think I've said, this is why as an empath, I get very overwhelmed in situations where there's a lot of people because I'm feeling emotions from every single person in the room. And if you're feeling all those emotions at once, it's very overwhelming and it gives me anxiety. So, um, but when I'm one-on-one with someone, I can connect them very easily because I can feel them. And when I know that I'm in the room with a bad person. My soul feels it. I feel it. They can be and act as genuine as they want to. Um, but I know the inside. I can feel it. It's, it's almost like the sixth sense. So in saying that you're wondering, well, why didn't you sense it when you first got with this person? The one thing that is the empath's greatest, uh, weakness is a narcissist or slash sociopath um, because they don't feel. So how am I going to feel the emotions of someone who doesn't have feelings? They don't have them. Um, well, okay, let me let me go back to that. The, the sociopath doesn't have feelings. A narcissist does have feelings, but a lot of them are negative feelings. So, um, I personally was not, um, in a good situation that I was with someone that was both, uh, a sociopath with narcissistic tendencies is, is the diagnosis for what he is. So a true narcissist um, without the being a sociopath is going to feel, feel, feel things like anger, um, and, and violence, um, like violent outrage, things like that. Um, but a sociopath that has narcissistic tendencies can control how they, how they react and feel, if that makes any sense at all. So, the difference is when you're with someone that is both, they don't just react in anger. They think about it and they think, is this a situation where anger is going to benefit me? Is this a situation where anger is going to bring fear? Is this a situation where if I project anger, then 
am I going to get my way? And um, narcissists are very manipulative people. And um, one of the key things is that they, they first learn you. They learn everything about you. They're very observant. They read into your mind, into your heart, into your life. Um, there's two types of narcissists. One is a narcissist that is covert in everything that he does. So he's secretly learning you, secretly observing you, secretly wanting um, to control you, but doesn't show it on the outwardly. And um, also doesn't really make it known to a lot of people that he is very into himself. The covert narcissist is very difficult to discover because they are good at appearing like everyone else, which in my honest and humble opinion, I believe the covert narcissist is a narcissist slash sociopath because of their ability to control um, the, the emotional responses. Um, do they feel emotions? I don't believe that they do. I believe that they project emotions based on what they've seen around them in what what will benefit them the most on how they act. Almost as if will projecting happiness make it look like I'm happy in this situation? Will that benefit me? Because I'm not truly happy. Will projecting anger win in this situation um, because that will instill fear into the person and that will make them think I'm angry, but I don't feel anything except for the self-love. Like they have this so much self, self-obsession with themselves. So, and another type of narcissist is the ones that are outward about it. And very, you would be able to tell because most people just consider them an a-hole. They don't care about anyone else, but they're very outward about it and they don't care who hears or anything. But that also plays into, I think that that's just a true narcissist by itself and not with a sociopath uh, attached. And that's just my opinion. Again, I'm not a professional, but from dealings with uh, people that are like that, I do believe that they feel they've just closed off a lot of uh, em like sad emotions and stuff, but they're subject to fits of rage, um, uncontrollable fits of rage, and it doesn't benefit them. If they, you know, flip over tables and act crazy in front of a group of people, everyone automatically has negative feelings about them. A covert narcissist is the opposite. They want everyone to have good feelings about them, so they pretend to be the best person, so charming, so Excuse me, I have the hiccups. So sweet, so charming, so loving, so um, adored by everyone. And the only one who knows the negative side is the people super close and the people that they're trying to control because they have a s certain people on strings that they control all the time. And then they have kind of like their other people that are, you know, that they that they put on a show in front of that they do control and they do manipulate, but only when, when they're needed. Um, and then those people believe that them, them to be a good person and believe that they're a great person. So I was with a covert narcissist slash sociopath 
And from personal experience, I can say that um, the difference, strikingly, is that you get less help as a victim uh, because everyone thinks he's such a great person. Or she, because you could be dealing with a female narcissist, which is a whole nother ball game. because <laughs> I will have to say that if you're dealing with a female narcissist, covert narcissist, you are in over your head. Uh, I was in over my head with a male, but um, as a female, people even like there, people aren't going to believe you that this sweet girl is evil. Just people don't, um, people don't believe this sweet guy was evil, but he was. And the things that he did, it's, it's like, there's, there, is there a soul there? But they were so over the top. They were so unbelievable to his character that he would show in front of people. They would not be able to put that in their mind as this person did those things. They can't conceive it. And what happens when people can't conceive something like that, they reject the, the out of the ordinary. Like they see this person on a daily basis. They're super nice giving, loving. I mean, he would give the shirt off of his back for somebody in theory. In in person, he's done it, but only for show, only to manipulate. Only he never showed love, he never showed compassion, but he knew how to pretend it. So people felt that from him. They thought that he was compassionate and loving and um a good person. And when I would say things like he choked me underwater in a bathtub, they'd be like, "What?" that doesn't make any sense. He would never do anything like that. This guy, man, this guy, this guy went to go visit his best friend in the hospital, you know, and, and was there crying at his bedside. This, this guy would never do anything like that. This guy is, he's been over backwards for people. He stepped in and, and helped this person pay their water bill. You know, like, he just seemed like such a great guy to everyone because he would do these things. And in his mind, he would tally, you know, what he's been doing to make himself look like a good guy. And uh, he also, I had like the worst situation of all. He was also a, uh, he has kidney failure. So, and that's true. He didn't make that up. Some narcissists will create physical ailments or whatever to get sympathy or be the victim but he really did have that but he used it and it was bad it's still bad but he's still alive his grandfather has it and he's still or his father has it and he's still alive and people did die from it in his family and it's serious but he used that he used that seriousness and he used that play on being a victim to also get sympathy and empathy from people um when on his dying, on his deathbed, he still showed no empathy for me in my situation. And I'll get to that in a little bit on what happened with that. Because you're like, on his deathbed? What? He's not dying anymore. Or he's on dialysis. So he's uh, he's living and he's, you know, going through life um, as he was before. But also... His health is kind of the result of him neglecting and not caring about um, about it for a period of time. He ignored it because I was 
very concerned with it. And he completely ignored it. And he thought that, well, as long as I don't think about it, it's not true. And I'm too good for any of this to happen to. There's no way that, you know, like, the doctors are just trying to screw me. They're out to get me kind of thing. That was his mentality. He's very paranoid about a lot of things. Um, and he doesn't trust. He doesn't trust anyone at all except for himself. Um, so let's get back to the beginning of the relationship because he did things that were amazing. He drove my car in the ice for me and spent the night in a cold car. So that way, because he couldn't come in the house, I was a teenager, so he snuck and stayed in my car. So that way, when I woke up and I drove to work, um, he would be able to drive on the icy roads. And to me, that was just like a pledge of undying love. Like, you really love me to sleep in a cold car in the dead of winter so I can not die on the icy roads. I've never driven icy roads before. It was things like that. And there's just this proving to me things that made me trust him. And because of those things, I, my walls came down so fast and I trusted him. And uh, one thing that I wanted to do was wait until marriage um, to have sex. And I was, um, I was doing that. And then I met him. And I was very stubborn about it, too. Like, no one got those walls broke down. But he did. Because he knew exactly what to say, how to say it, where to mentally manipulate me. And it did take him a little bit of time. I think he thought it would, wouldn't take as long as it did. It took a while. But he, he did get those walls down. So uh, then I completely trusted him. Because he's the person that I was like, oh, well, I'm going to marry this guy. Because I had sex with him and I'm wanted to wait till marriage but I'm gonna marry this guy so I was head over heels and he made me feel like I was the only person for him the only one all the time just all these wonderful things he would say and make me feel so great and this this went on for a period of time until um, we did actually have sex there was a there was a shift there was a shift because I think that he knew that once he got me in that aspect that I was hooked and I wanted to, like, I would stay no matter what kind of thing. So he started showing the the possessive side soon after, thinking, you know, like, well, how, you know, are you cheating on me? Are you with somebody else's? And he demanded sex every day. It wasn't like, it, it was every day. And, um... At first, like when we first began being intimate with each other, it was like, oh, you know, I can't believe you're giving yourself to me. This is so big. This is so great. Like, I can't believe you chose me. He made it feel like it was such a special thing. And then it deteriorated into, well, I need my needs met. I need not my needs met. I need my needs met. You, well, we've already had sex, so it's not like you're waiting till marriage, you know. And there were times when I would feel conflicted because my spiritual self is like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, and I'm too young to do this, and what if I get pregnant, and all of these things. And he would make me feel really awful about it. 
Um, he was definitely cheating. I don't believe that he was virgin when I, when we met. He said he was. Um, but I don't believe that. He, um, he lied more than anyone I've ever met. And yet, I never saw through the lies until after I broke free from the spell. It's almost like a spell you're under. Because they say and do the things that manipulate you, you're so attached. You're like, this person is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. Because they emulate. It's almost as if in your brain you have the ideal person in your brain. What you want, everything that you want them to say, everything that you want them to be. And then they see that and emulate that. And so you're like, this is it. This is the person. They're in my head. This is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. That's who I want to have children with. That's who I want to marry. That's who I will spend the rest of my life with. Um, and one thing I couldn't do was read his emotions because he didn't have them. But I, So I would constantly be questioning him like, so how are you feeling? What's going on? And he would be aloof and distant and very, um, just very almost cold sometimes. And I would be like, did I do something wrong? So he was at that point training me and conditioning me for response. Um, when he was aloof and distant and things like that, he would, that would be his way of making me overly attentive to him. Like, oh, baby, I'm sorry. I did it something I did. I love you. Please don't be distant with me. What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? These, this is a conditioned response from a narcissist. They know when to pull back and when to shut down, when, when to um, open up. So you'll notice that they do open up. That's one of the things for an empath that's the hardest to break free from is that they open up to you about true things. It's almost like here's a little bit of like what you want because I wanted that. I wanted that connection with someone um, and they're using their own life, past stories and um, and just really sad childhood experiences to draw you in as bait. Like you're, you're a little fish and that's bait on a hook and you, you get hooked on it. Um, because you want to help somebody because as an empath you you feel like oh my god this you think of them as that little child you know at some point you're like oh my god like how could that happen you know whether it's a story of bullying or their parents beating them or whatever it is you just want to comfort them the problem is that there can be no comfort for them because they can only comfort themselves they don't feel comfort from other people so you're all you're doing is just feeding their need, feeding their ego when you're complimenting them, loving them, complimenting, com comforting them, complimenting them. You're doing those things, you're building them up, but they're eating it so fast. It, it, and it, it's like it doesn't go anywhere, it's just need more. They're devouring it, but it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't fill them up, it goes into a void, into a black hole. And you can, you can build them up as much as you want. You can keep going and going and going. And I promise you, it will never end. And they don't return the compliments. They'll fish for them though. Like they will compliment you if you haven't complimented them in a while because they want that compliment from you. 
but more often than not, they won't compliment you. More often than not, they won't say good things to you unless they're love bombing you. And that is where we get confused because we're like, oh, they do say all these nice, sweet things about me. But in that moment, it's a manipulation, whether it's a manipulation to have sex, whether it's a manipulation because you're going to leave or because they notice that you're being distant. Um, they, they are very in tune like I said, very in tune with the frequency of your brain. They have an inside on there and they, they know how you're feeling and what you're, where, where your brain's at. They know and they know your reactions. They get to know you on such a personal and deep level that you never understood anyone could ever understand you on. And that is why you feel that connection to them because they have connected to your heart, to your soul, to your brain. But all they're doing, if you can imagine tentacles being attached to your brain and your soul and your heart from them, all they're doing is sucking out of it. They're not inputting anything into your heart, your soul, or your brain. They are sucking everything, all the information that they need, they're sucking out of your brain, out of your heart, all the emotions that you're willing to give out of your heart, all the strings that they're willing to pull to manipulate out of your heart and out of your soul, they take something inside of you your your self-love they take your confidence they take so many things that build you as a person as a soul as a being as a sentient being they take away your, your humanity they take away your spirit and these tentacles are just taking and taking but that connection you're feeling something right you feel the connection you you know that somehow that they know you better than you know yourself and I think that's where we get so confused and when you're down and you're having a down day and they they don't they don't care but when you're down because you're gonna leave and they know it they know the difference somehow they know the difference when you're like I really need some love right now I just need attention um if they have anything to gain from it, they'll get you, give you attention. They'll give you love bombs. They will make you feel on top of the world. Um, anything to gain as far as like if they want sex, that will be, they will love bomb you. If they feel like you're going to leave them, um, then they're going to love bomb you. If they feel like you are going to do something for them that they want you to do, they're going to love bomb you. They're so good at manipulating with love bombs. And I say love bombs because it's so explosive. It's not just like a little thing. It's not just like this tiny little, like, I love you. It is, oh, you're the most beautiful being I've ever set eyes on. Like one thing that my ex said to me that used to make me melt, now it makes me cringe, is he used to say, when I'm with you, the world stops spinning and everything can come crashing down around me and I know that it would still be okay because I'm with you and everything with you is right. I have it memorized. <laughs> and the reason it meant so much to me, it was because it was just something that my soul caught onto and he knew that. He knew what it did to me when he said those things. And I was like, if this is real, like this felt real, right? I couldn't decipher his emotions because even though I'm an empath, 
He doesn't have them. So he just, and, and he, he I, I didn't know how he was feeling. So I went off of his words. I went off of what he was telling me. And he was saying that he was in love with me. So I believed it. I believed it so strongly that I had faith that that relationship was real. And what I didn't realize is that every piece of him that I fell in love with was a mask. Every person in him that I was, that made me happy or that made me smile, it was a manipulation. Anytime that I smiled, it was a manipulation. That's hard. That's hard to come to grips with. When you've been with someone and you keep sticking it out because even though the bad is really bad, you're like, but the good is so good. It's so good. It's so hard to explain. But then when you realize that it's fake, you, you, you almost don't even want to believe it. Like, it's fake. It's like when you're a child and you find out that Santa is not real, but like on a larger scale. It's like your whole world comes crashing down and you have two choices. You can believe it and stand by it or you can pretend that it is real. And a lot of people pretend that it is real. And then you just continue believing even though it doesn't feel good. The other parts don't feel good. And no relationship is perfect. Don't get me wrong. And you will argue. You will have fights. You will have things you need to work on. But the difference between being with a narcissist is that you get torn down to nothing. And then they love bomb you just enough to make you stay. And it's this constant back and forth you almost feel like emotional whiplash an example uh, would be especially when they do something that they're not supposed to do like cheat they minimize it uh, minimizing is when they make it not a big deal they blame other people uh, one for sure thing about a narcissist that without a shadow of a doubt is true is that they will never admit to guilt on anything at all without pointing blame on someone else blaming you blaming someone else putting someone else at fault um for part of it like oh this wouldn't have happened though if this person would have done this um i'm sorry but you know how my emotions get the best of me they, they blame it on things. They will never take 100% accountability for themselves and say, you know what? That was not good and I'm so sorry and it will never happen again. Sincerely. And unless, unless, that's their like last trick in the book, I guess, because they do have that in their bag of tricks. But it's when you are at fed up and you're about to leave and you're ne you're you're done for good and you're you just can't deal anymore. Then they'll apologize and it'll seem so sincere, but they don't. Even regular fights, they're not gonna. Even when, even when you're like, oh, that's it, I'm done. 
they have to know that you're done. They have to feel it from you that you're really done. Because most of the time when you say you're done, you're not done. Because the love bombing brings you right back. But when the love bombing doesn't work, when all their tactics don't work, they will use that sincere one-time apology. The difference is that a narcissist won't do it on a regular basis. A narcissist, when they have done wrong, when they do something that is wrong, they will not regularly admit to anything that they've done. It will always be someone else's fault. They're, you know, like, I blew up because you were doing this and I am upset because you did that. And even though they did something wrong, confront a narcissist about cheating and they'll say, why were you going through my phone? But but I found out you were cheating. But that doesn't matter. Why were you going through my phone? First of all, they minimize the act that they did to what you did. Going through your phone, going through the phone because you don't trust them. You have a right not to trust them. They've been doing some shady stuff, right? So the fact that you went through their phone, um, which I don't recommend doing. Like, once you find proof of cheating or once you find something like that, just leave. Don't continuously have to go through someone's phone. Like, that's not a life you want to live, being a detective. It's a terrible life. I lived it for 15 years. Every day, I was trying to discover what my narcissist slash sociopath was doing behind my back. And it was hell. And I was alone a lot because I was always trying to find out where he was. And it was just, it was ridiculous so another thing that they do is oh back to you know, so okay let's, let's put you into a scenario you get a text message on their phone or you see a text message come up on their phone you're not even you're not even going through their phone you just get a text message you see it pop up when their phone's just laying on the counter or something and it says like hey baby uh, had fun last night and you know that they weren't with you last night you know that they were supposedly out with friends or whatever and yet you're, you see that text message so you come walk on eggshells because you always walk on eggshells when you confront them with anything because of their reaction to your emotions they will never react sympathetically or empathetically they're never like oh honey I'm so sorry you thought that but this is the situation. They get mad at you. That's the difference between real sincerity is, oh, honey, it's not what you think. If it's really not what you think, they would understand. They would empathize with, oh, I understand how you could have thought that, though. Oh, you poor baby. I'm so sorry that you thought that. Here, let me prove to you that that's not what's going on. Let me call this person in front of you or whatever. Like, obviously, the text that I just said would be proof. Like, there's no way around that. Hey, baby, I had fun last night. To your significant other is not acceptable from any standards. But, like, if you got, if someone sent an I love you text, right, that could be have so many different contexts. And it could even be from a cousin or something, right? And you don't want to just jump to conclusions. But say you're like, okay, um, hey, honey, I saw the words I love you pop up on your screen you know and I'm wondering like who sent that and why would they be telling you they love you and you know if they're like I can't believe you you're gonna sit here and accuse me that 
is a narcissist because someone who understands, oh, dang, that's a situation because I would be upset if I saw that. So let me explain to you, baby. That's my cousin. Here, let me call my cousin in front of you. Let me let me show you that you have nothing to be worried about. That's someone who cares about you. The narcissist will not care about how you feel. They will feel attacked, even if it is their cousin, which happens. They are innocent sometimes in some of the situations that they appear themselves into, but they will rub their innocence in your face like you're a dog that pooped on the floor and rub your nose in it. They will not have empathy that you felt a certain type of way. They will not understand your feelings. Sure, they know how you feel, but they don't care. So you're like, well, honey, someone's saying I love you. I'm just worried. Like, what's going on? Do I have anything to be worried about? They're going to be like, yeah, you keep going through my phone. Like, oh, it didn't. It just popped up on on your phone and I saw it having to see it and like that's my cousin you're so stupid I'm gonna call my cousin right now you dumb blah 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 I'm gonna call him right now so you can see that it's my cousin because it ain't it ain't none of your business da, da, da. like they, they get mad and even if they are proving it because when here's the thing when they are right and they know that they're right they will go above and beyond to prove it when they're wrong they still try to prove themselves right but they won't follow through because they can't, they can't prove it, but they will make it sound like they have proof. Like, I will call them right now, call them out on their bluff, and they'll be like, you know what, I'm not going to, because I don't need to prove anything to you. Um, the difference is just how they attack. They're attacking you versus feeling how you feel and saying like, oh my god, you know, I totally understand how you could be upset. I understand how you could possibly think there's something to worry about with the words I love you coming across my screen and and baby let me prove to you let me show you that you have nothing to be worried about it's different than I can't believe you if I call and another thing is like if I call my cousin right now and prove that it's my cousin I'm I'm leaving I'm going out they they punish you they punish you and it is unacceptable to be treated that way in any in any way or shape or form i don't care if they call you the best thing in the world baby i love you you're the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me those love bombs mean nothing all they mean is manipulation and you have to see that um also weirdly they do things to ruin your day they do things to upset you on purpose and blame you and put you in some kind of a way Um, I saw this TikTok from this girl on TikTok and it really hit home because I was like, whoa, that's, that happened. That literally happened where the guy called the girl up at work and this happened to me. This happened. So I was like, does she know me? Called the girl up at work and was like, uh, you didn't put enough gas in the car and I ran out of gas and I had to walk three miles to go get gas, had to ask somebody for money because I didn't have any gas. And now, you know, and you're like, oh, babe, I'm so sorry. I can't believe, I really thought it was on, I didn't know it was on empty. I'm so sorry. You know, like, oh no, it's fine. I don't need your help. I don't need you. All you do is not care about anybody but yourself. Blah, blah, blah. And just going off, right? 
and just to ruin your day, just to make you feel like you did something bad, just to hurt you, right? And um, then later on, you'll get your GPS and you're like, wait a minute, this person was never stranded, this person never even went to a gas station, gas never had to be put in the car, it was on full, is where I had it, what? See, so then you're confronted with proof, like actual proof, and you're like, but why? Why would they make that whole scenario up to, to just to ruin your day? That's exactly what it is, to ruin your day, to bring you out of a happy, you, know, you could be in great spirits, and all of a sudden they find a way to upset you. They know what upsets you, they know what will upset you, and they constantly make you just feel like you don't care about them, or that you're constantly trying to prove that you care about them because they make you feel like they don't think you care about them. And that's the last thing you want. An empath, that's the last thing you want. Anybody really in a relationship, but an empath especially because we want the other person to feel loved all the time. We want them to know that they're loved. And if they're communicating to us that they don't feel loved, we're like, oh my God, what can I do? What can I do to make you feel, you know, like comforted and loved and and secure and they will just completely trash your feelings to to make you feel like you know you haven't done a good enough job of showing them love they'll ruin your day with weird stories or if they've done something wrong like cheat you know like um the out of the gas thing is just overused i think honestly, because my ex, if we count up how many times he's quote unquote walked to the gas station and had to beg for money for gas, we're talking in, in the, probably in the hundreds of times because it would happen so much. Like, and, and I'm talking about in 15 years. So hundreds isn't actually that much if you think about it over a course of 15 years, but all the time he would just, that would, that's one of his, that was one of his regular excuses. If he, if I knew that he was out and he wasn't back, you know, like we're talking several hours because he would be like, oh, I'm going to be back by dinner. And then he wouldn't be back. And then it would be an hour go by, another hour, can't get a hold of him. And then all of a sudden, you know, I get a phone call or I do get a hold of him. And he's like, stop blowing on my phone. I'm trying to get gas because you didn't fill up. Yeah, there's no gas in the car. Or, you know, something happened to him that's really dramatic Somebody jumped him, somebody robbed him, um, all of these things, just like these crazy things that didn't happen, he would convince me happened, so it would ruin my day, so it would make me feel less than, and it would make me like comfort him and you know provide him sympathy and empathy, and it wasn't even, none of it was even true. And some of the times I was providing him empathy and sympathy, he was out cheating on me. And I was like, oh my God, you poor thing. You had to walk to the gas station. I'm so sorry. Like, But there were times when I started being a little wiser to the game. Like he said that he had to work all night at his job, but I knew that they closed at a certain time and they're very adamant about getting out of the building like by a certain time. So it was like, all night you don't gotta work all night you know so I drove up there and just so happens he was not there and uh I didn't have I didn't have the car I actually had someone else 
pick me up to take me up there because that's another thing they do is they control your whereabouts um so they always know where you are even though you don't always know where they are and um they just they they constantly manipulate you with everything and so I drove up there to his work and he wasn't there my car wasn't there and I was like well where the heck is he you know and I can't check the GPS till he gets home. Well, he knew that I was checking the GPS, so he stopped. He, like, started deleting things out of the GPS and manipulating it to look like he had gone, done things for me and stuff. Like, that's how bad it is. Like, he would, you know, say, like, oh, I went to the grocery store to find your favorite chocolate, but they were out. But I'd look at GPS, and he did go to the grocery store. So he would just probably just drive there, drive around the parking lot, you know, or park for, like, a few minutes, and then and then drive away. I'm telling you, he, he didn't do, actually do those things. Um, there, there was a new program that you can attach to GPS where it shows if the car door opens or not. And the car door never opened on some of the things that he said he went and did. And I'm like, car door never opened. He literally just drove there just to sit in the parking lot to say that he did something for me, but couldn't do it because, of something or another. They were out of something or um, the, a manager started yelling at him or just all these re- weird things, right? And like then it would get shoved in my face. Well, I would have gotten you chocolate yesterday if this wouldn't have happened. So don't say I don't do stuff for you. It's not my fault this didn't happen. Like it, It's that far gone into another reality. They are in another reality just like Narcissus was with himself and thought being in love with himself and separated from humanity in a way that he couldn't connect with humans in and he couldn't be on the same level with any other person he believed himself to be a higher being um just that their ego is so beyond and another thing is he would do things anything and want praise for it constant praise I mean you have to praise a narcissist like 20 times a day because if you leave if you're having a bad day and you don't praise them they they punish you for it emotionally they withdraw they're like you don't love me you don't like for instance if you don't have sex with them when they are trying to have sex with you even though you give it to them every time you're sick and you're not feeling well you're like oh I just don't feel good oh you're not attracted to me anymore that's it you're just not attracted to me anymore like what we just did it yesterday are you crazy like what (laughs) what 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 but they really just hone in on your emotions it's the you're so vulnerable to them because you feel like you can trust them and the more you give them the more they take but also the more they learn about you, the more that they take from you, but the more that they're learning from you. So as I was giving you that visual of like tentacles being attached to your brain and your heart and your soul, they're learning about you as they're extracting all of this, but they're also draining you of every bit of energy that you have in your brain and your heart and your soul. And it, it gets to a point where um, another analogy would be they're vampires and you're donating your blood. You can donate so much and still live. You can donate a little bit and be perfectly fine. Um, But 
the second you're getting drained of all of your blood, when you get more, rid of more than a certain amount of your blood, you no longer are functioning for yourself. Yet you're feeding this other person what they want. Only thing is, they're, they're never satiated. They're never ever going to be full from what you're giving them. So you're just giving until you're completely empty and dried up. And then when you're empty and dried up and you have nothing left, you're a shell. Then they dispose of you like you're nothing. Like you never were anything and, and they don't, um, they don't, unless they need you for something, which my ex realized at at a certain point that I was so depressed and I was so withdrawn, I couldn't even be intimate with him anymore. Um, I just, I didn't feel good about myself. There was, at that point, uh, the love bombing stopped happening because he was aiming for an end in the relationship. So he wasn't love bombing me anymore. Um, he was waiting for it to fizzle out and me to, you know, want to leave. Um, but then I got some confidence back after leaving and I got some of that myself back. So he saw that positivity come back. He saw the light in my eyes come back. He saw those things and he wanted control back of them. And so then he tried again with getting me back. And it was always this push-pull. Always. Um, but I will tell you, leaving a narcissist is one of the hardest things you will ever have to do. And I will tell you how to do it. But you have to listen to me and you have to listen to me good because it sounds like it's easy and people make it sound easy, but it is not easy. It is, it is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life um, besides living the life that I'm living right now because it's so hard. But besides that, it is so draining to be with a narcissist yet leaving feels like you're going to die. And they do that on purpose because it's like those tentacles are attached to your brain and your heart and your soul, but detaching them is painful. You're pull, pulling something that's sucking on your heart off, like detaching it. Something that's sucking on your brain, you're pulling it off. It's painful. Pulling something that's sucking on your soul off it's so painful and it is so hard to do. It's almost like that feeling of them draining you is more comforting than not having it there because it's been there for so long. And also that connection to another person you felt was there, but it's fake. It's fake. It was all a facade. It was all manipulation. It was all to make you believe that you're loved and that you're comforted and that you're you connected to another being and maybe they're not perfect but they love you that's what you always think in your head maybe they're not perfect maybe they and then you also relate their problems that they've opened up to you about to the problems that they have now oh well he gets angry because when he was a kid he was beat and that's all he's ever learned and it no no don't do that okay I will tell you in the next session how to leave a narcissist, but you must, you must listen to me. 
I've gotten people to leave. I've helped them turn their lives over for the better and helped them completely change their entire life over. But you have, once you know that you're in a relationship with a narcissist, a textbook narcissist, one that is a real narcissist, not somebody that's just giving you, like, you just have some problems and you have some fights and here and there. A real narcissist. You need to get out because it will drain you of everything you have in you. And I can tell you how to do it, but you have to listen. And you have to follow it. No matter how hard it is not to, it's it's harder than anything you'll ever have to do in your life. Harder than you know, people quit smoking, people quit drinking, people quit addictions. This is harder than that, I believe. I've never had those things, so maybe I should shut up. Maybe it's on the same wavelength. We'll say that. But it is hard, and it is not easy, and it is a challenge. But if you want to live your life and not be controlled and not be subjected to abuse, then please listen to the next episode because I will give you exactly what you need in order to leave. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this message reached as many people as it possibly could because it is so important. I think that I really discovered my platform and where I want to go with my social media, um, my TikTok and my um, YouTube channel and my podcast and everything. I really want it to go in the direction of pulling people out of those relationships and feeding them enough to help them understand what they're in and get them saved from those situations. It's like you're in a burning house and I have the tools to help get you out and that's what I want to do. If you know someone that's in an abusive relationship or in a relationship with a narcissist, please just send them this podcast. Help them understand that this is something that that is being done to them and that they need to get out. Um, as always, spread love, light, and positivity everywhere you go. Thank you so much for listening to Breadcrumbs. And again, this is your host, Ashley, a.k.a. Ash Kitten. And hope you guys have a miraculous, wonderful day. Bye.